Hey folks, and welcome to the last episode of the year. Your host, Mishka Katkov, and today we're going to talk about 2020 in mobile games. In this last episode, I'm joined by guests from our fantastic partnership companies, Sensor Tower and AppSlyer, and we're going to dive in into talking about which genres gained the most and which trail behind, the effects of the lockdowns, the trends in user acquisition, in-app purchases, in-app ads, growth in different countries, remarketing, and all of the good stuff. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you enjoyed all the past episodes as well. And I want to thank you from, from my own behalf and from the behalf of my co-hosts, Adam Telfer, Eric Kress, Joseph Kim, for listening to this podcast throughout the year. We've crossed staggering half a million listens this year. So that's that's pretty crazy. And, and I truly want to thank you all for tuning in month after month, week after week, multiple times a week uh, during this crazy 2020. And uh, I hope you have great holidays. I hope you have a great new year. And I truly hope that we get to see you face to face in 2021. Yeah, I hope it's going to be a way better year than than 2020. It doesn't take a lot, you know. Anyways, <laughs> uh, without further ado, our amazing guests and one more, once more, thank you for, for listening to Deconstructor Fun Podcast. Really at Jam City, we want to treat the players first and foremost. We really care about their experiences. That comes down to ad quality and what type of ads they're seeing. We want to make sure that the performance is there. A waterfall management does take a lot of time. The big drawback is the back and forth with networks, obviously the uh, analysis behind it, and not always is the juice worth the squeeze, so to speak. That was Kyle. Kyle is the Senior Director of Ad Monetization from Jam City, and he uses IronSource's platform to automate his monetization and grow game revenue. That is time that is really maximized and could theoretically be a 50 to 100% to 2x increase in overall ad revenue. Theoretically, Level Play just automates a lot of that. That is a huge time sink for a lot of our teams. Want to grow like Jam City? Get the SDK on ironslc.com. That's ironslc.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We have three amazing guests. Let's start with the one with the coolest title. So Tim O'Neill from AppSlyer, who's a strategic account executive. Welcome, Tim. Thanks for having me here. It's great to be here. Uh, another person from AppSlyer is Brian Murphy. Welcome back to the podcast. Nice to be here. And for the first time, but a person who I've known for a very long time, for years now, uh, Randy Nelson, who heads Mobile Insights at Sensor Tower. Welcome finally to the podcast. I know, it's it's great to be here finally after all this time. All right, the, the topic today is, is really interesting. I'm gonna talk about 2020 in mobile games and a little bit of a reflection going into the future. If we look at the market on a high level and I've pulled basically, I've, I've been just going through Sensor Tower's blog posts. They're really good, really informative about what, what's happening in the market. And as we all know, the global consumer spending on mobile games have been going up significantly. We're talking about 24 to 26% growth when comparing Q3 of 2019 to Q3 of 2020. The same thing has been happening for downloads. Again, downloads almost 30% up in general for all mobile game downloads when comparing Q3 to Q3 of the last year. And as we know, Q3 is not even the craziest quarter. Q2 was the craziest quarter when, when the lock, well, in many ways, but especially when the lockdowns hit for the first time, uh, that's when people 
really turned into games as, as, as entertainment. My question to you guys, what were the biggest winning genres in terms of downloads and also in terms of revenues? And what I'm also curious to know is which genres didn't do that well? Right. So yeah, as you pointed out, there there was a lot of growth all around during the first half of the year. And we've seen, seen that continue through the rest of the year. Um, and, and some of the beneficiaries of that, um, in, in terms of that growth, when you look down at the particular category level, or you look into some of the taxonomies that, that we care about, we saw a lot of spending growth. We saw in the first half of the year alone, more than 60% growth in simulation games. Simulation, you know, and that, that includes titles like Roblox, um, you know, just really seemed to thrive during the lockdowns. You know, understandably, we saw some other categories, you know, take a hit like uh, geolocation, um, you know, that that's mostly driven, you know, almost entirely, to, to be honest, driven by Pokemon Go, even though Niantic really did a great job of, of, of sort of addressing that in game. Um, we, we, you know, we still saw decreases in spending during that, that first half period until they kind of got things figured out. On, on the flip side, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, there's there's been a lot of download growth as, as new consumers or, you know, Consumers who are, are new to games come into the space, and and uh, you know we saw Casino really thrive during that, and I'm sure there are some various uh, you know thoughts on you know why you know of all categories you know Casino would would be thriving. Um, simulation, it wasn't just revenue; it was downloads as well. Really, really saw a boost. Um, but then, you know, we saw, you know, among some of the categories that, that kind of took a hit, at least in the first half of the year, you know, not looking even at, you know, full year numbers yet, you know, we saw, saw strategy games, you know, kind of like the, 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 the strategy genre as a, as a whole uh, dip some uh, in the, you know, year over year in the, in the first half, at least. And yeah, it, it, there's, there's various theories, I'm sure, <laughs> as, to, as to why this happened. We could see kind of the, the, the net results, but yeah, it'd be interesting to kind of talk about, you know, some, some of what's driving this and, and, and I'm sure there's some, some obvious answers, but yeah, maybe, maybe some not so obvious answers. I'm, I'm curious too, when we get behind the numbers, right? Well, I think, I think the, uh, the casino one is quite clear. It's um, if you close down the casinos, then the, uh, the virtual casinos are going to do well. So that's a, uh -huh. that's, a, that's a pretty clear one, as well as the Roblox. And, you know, if you're a bad parent, you don't want to hang out with your kids, that's, <laughs> you can just check out your, your Roblox account of <laughs> how much spending is going. What do you think, Brian? I'm sure it's the same for Minecraft, too. I mean, uh, uh -huh. we all have nephews and nieces or, or infants and kids that, that, you know, well, I want to say infants, but, you know, younger children that we're playing. <laughs> well, maybe they're advanced. Who knows? But uh, yeah. uh, they're, you know, Minecraft and Roblox, and I'm sure there are others we're just not thinking of right now, had really explosive growth. And we have to, you know, all think that the triggering event must have been the lockdown. And, um, and that would be a, a natural, like, answer to that. So, uh, I mean, they took it, I mean, they by default took advantage of this, you know, kind of unfortunate circumstance, but it's been interesting to see how the consumption habits have changed due to this. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. And, and the, the weirdest thing for me was, was strategy. And I actually, you know, because I play those type of games and I would assume the strategy would be one of the biggest winners because they're, those games are very social. They demand a lot of time. They, you have to almost structure your day around a strategy game. And I thought, all right, when you're in lockdown, you want a little bit of a structure. So why not join a guild that will force you to wake up once at 2 a.m., once at 4 a.m., once at 6 a.m. to help to help out your, your friends. And actually, I broke it down and I look at the sensor tower data. The thing is, the strategy games, these 
classical 4x diff, you know super difficult hardcore game of war type of games they were actually doing pretty well and they actually grew mm-hmm. and they are one of the biggest marketers as, as i'm sure tim and ryan can, can see but but um but the ones that declined were they on the lighter side the other uh, super silly type of strategy games the clash of clans the clash royales those kind of like uh, lighter versions people are like that's not enough i want i want my day structured i need to uh-huh. spend thousands of dollars to annihilate everybody <laughs> not just not just like a small tactical ones but um but yeah so one one of the interesting thing that i wanted to ask about is when i look at the data one of the uh one of the categories that had a decline well in terms of revenue it, it's not that big of a revenue but didn't even grow in terms of downloads that much was hyper casual so uh brian have you seen the same type of data uh well that's interesting i mean the we really were kind of finding statistics or we pointed statistics that that de- actually demonstrated the opposite in terms of downloads uh, so um in regards to 2019 versus 2020 we actually saw a 90 percent increase in hyper casual downloads but um however um you know the the i would probably say that the revenue numbers didn't sort of follow the trend line as much but raw downloads were actually, uh, high, you know, uh, were, were pretty dramatic. Uh, was a pretty dramatic increase year over year, so almost double. Um, so I, we actually had sort of competing, um, uh, uh, competing data on that one. Um, I would say this though that casual, uh, casual titles, frankly, had an, a 10 to 15 percent increase in revenues across the board. So the casual space actually were, I think, the biggest beneficiaries of this odd period, uh, you know, in the world. Uh, and of course that would be driven by companies like potentially like King and Playrix among others that are, you know, big casual title publishers um, that uh, that saw really dramatic increases in, in revenue, which I don't think we were expecting actually um, when we were putting this report together. But this is the this is the data that's suggesting that, that you know, to me, casual was the biggest winner um, and mm. it took the greatest advantage of the situation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, th- that's true. And and with hyper casual, it's always a little bit difficult. It's almost like how they are, how they are um, put in the taxonomy. So if I look at the latest data that we pulled from Sensor Tower, it's actually showing fifty four percent increase in downloads. So it's it's definitely climbing up there. So it, it's um yeah yeah definitely definitely grew a lot. But the casual one is interesting, and that probably speaks of well yeah multiple different things. Uh, with the lifestyle categories and especially with the puzzle games, as you mentioned, um, were there any any other kind of trends that, or not trends, but any other kind of data points that you wanted to talk about before we jump in and talk about how these affected the player behavior, the lockdowns, how they affected the player behavior? I, I mean, I'm I'm not really sure. Nobody really saw tremendous declines. Um, you know, the mm-hmm. the uh, you know, I don't uh, the the other genres. I think they were obviously impacted initially and then evened out to some degree or another over the rest of the year. So, um, you know, like some people would want to create sort of like extremes, like there were winners and losers. And I think, like I said before, like hyper casual and casual appeared to be the ones that um, saw the most benefit from this kind of situation. However, mm-hmm. the other genres, when we talk about midcore and hardcore, um, I don't think they, they had a, a sort of a true kind of like, you could really point to a, a big change for them to some degree or another. It just sort of evened out over time. So that's how we kind of saw the data playing itself out. Yeah. Randy, anything to add before we move on? You know, just, you know, what, what Brian said, you know, about evening out over time. I think that's something we're going to talk about coming up. 
Um, and, and, you know, I, I think there were some, you know, standouts early on or, you know, standouts, you know, as the lock, lockdowns happened in various countries. Um, but there, there was sort of a, you know, all the, all the boats, more or less, you know, were, were raised up by the tide. Um, and, and yeah, and I think um, you, we also saw, um, you know, in, in the case of, you know, some of the data we're looking at, and we're looking at, you know, some of the, the, the growth um, numbers that, that we're citing, you know, are around, you know, the top titles, or, you know, we're binning the, the top 100 titles, let's say together. And so, yeah, um, you know, initially, we might not have seen such a, a jump in, let's say, the top pre-existing hyper-casual titles, but, you know, it, it, it'd be interesting, you know, to also take a look at, you know, for hyper-casual, as Brian said, you know, you probably saw a, uh, a pretty huge influx of new titles, um, you know, kind of backfilling, you know, be, coming in behind the existing titles and those things go in and out so fast mm -hmm. uh, in, in most cases that, you know, th there can be, you know, new top hundred titles all the time. So yeah, I think that you know, kind of the 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 message there is that you know, the, those titles that either, like you were saying, strategy, they add structure, they they take a lot of you know, they they give you something to do versus hyper casual. They they were they were sort of you know winners across the board. You know, at every every end of the spectrum basically. Yeah, yeah, the bust up games and and those kind of like they take the whole whole life. In, your, in the command. So let's talk about the uh, the effects of lockdowns. And again, from sensor tower data, there was a lot of interesting stuff there uh, in terms of the average download. So as we've seen before, kind of like matured Western countries, there's not that many games that people download, and especially even after they download, they might not even play it. So we're talking about players playing around four games uh, altogether. Uh, yet during the lockdowns, we saw the numbers rise significantly, like 28% more downloads in the U.S. Well, China was was really up, like by 45% um, than than some of the other countries. Like pr pretty much every country ha had saw a, a surge of downloads. And I think Brian, this was the episode that we did early on as the as the COVID was hitting with uh, with Suford, and we were discussing the uh the effect of cpms and and what does that mean for the market and one of the there were kind of like a two trains of thought uh around the cpm so as the cpms were going down because a lot of different companies couldn't well it wasn't point advertising your flights or your uh, ride shares or the airbnbs and those were kind of exiting the market the cpms were going down and the uh the hypothesis was that you either let those lower CPMs uh, kind of go into your gross, uh, your net revenue because you're spending less on user acquisition. And the other train of thought was that now is the time to really push the pedal to the metal. And that led to the thought that the companies that had titles with, with a lot of data, because the titles were more of a legacy titles, they could be smarter in player acquisition versus new titles that did not have any kind of data would be very dangerous to scale during the lockdowns because this is so unusual times, even though the CPIs might be lower. So that was the kind of a, like the, the two, you know, the red pill and the blue pill, however you wanna, wanna, wanna phrase it. Brian, what happened uh, based on based on your absolute data? Like, what happened? Did did the companies push the new games or? It's you know it's funny. I actually um, I'll answer this initially, but Tim has done a little bit more analysis on what we saw in terms of CPMs. But 
I the I, it's funny because we this is the, the time that we did this before was super was just basically when lockdown was starting. So it's you know I don't want to call it ironic, but it's interesting that we're talking now and we can sort of look back a little bit about what took place. But um, it's what's interesting, and you, we're going to hear about this more as we get into remarketing and other companies that did you know what else did well in the marketplace. And to me, it's interesting. It feels like on some level that remarketing really exploded in 2020, year over year. The numbers are pretty dramatic. Um, and that would speak to me that older titles actually did kind of, um, you know, were, 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 were advertised a little bit more aggressively towards. Um, and I think that might suggest on some level that the hypothesis that we all drew that, um, that newer titles were going to be kind of pushed to the side and, um, and older titles are going to be invested, reinvested, would suggest that, you know, remarketing kind of uh, would, you know, would, would play into that kind of hypothesis. Um, and I think, I think that's probably safe to say. The other, you know, the way we would look at it too is um, it seems like hardcore as well as social casino grew really, you know, grew really well um, in terms of uplift um, uh, over that period, um, which would also suggest that we didn't see any brand new, I think, hardcore titles come out. Um, and I'm not even really uh, certain that we saw like, a whole busload of new social casino titles come out, but they did actually experience pretty dramatic revenue growth and um, and 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 were uh, and were marketing more aggressively during that period, which would suggest that maybe the you know the the app developers that we're all familiar with probably felt potentially the same way, um, that maybe it made more sense to double down on existing titles um, and then ma and maybe put off um, new development into the future once this whole period sort of kind of got normalized to some degree or another. But Tim, what about CPMs? Did you did you have more data about that over the over the course of the year? Yeah, yeah. And just a good question. You know, it, it's an interesting time for sure. I'd definitely say that the AppFlyer data showed that gaming companies by large leaped at the opportunity to accelerate installs in terms of those two hypotheses that we had. Um, you know, there's a, a greater audience in front of their screens than ever before. And and it's clear that those users were were ravenous for uh, new games and, and forms of entertainment to take their mind off of the world. Um, and the fact that CPI was at a low point, you know, with traditional big brands holding back on marketing amid the uncertainty at the time, definitely say that that helped game scale. Um, so overall, from a period of, say, January to August, our data actually shows a, a global gain of 45% in installs compared to last year. Um, and at an increased velocity, actually. The growth rate was 40% higher between 2020 and 2019 uh, than 2018 to 2019. Um, and we saw that this was actually mostly driven by organic demand, which in itself grew 57% more than the previous year. But even with the heightened organic growth, um, the non-organic growth grew 70% year over year. Now, if you look a, a little bit closer, um, and you try to look at, you know, what happened month by month, you know, during this year, it's pretty interesting. Actually, the, the data shows that gaming marketers jumped at the opportunity right away. Um, and that, you know, to some of the points that were discussed earlier, we saw that all gaming categories peaked during lockdown, um, actually 35% in April versus February. But then a lot of them dropped sharply in May and, and further into summer and kind of tapering off into fall. And that's probably likely due to a couple of things like, uh, you know, the rise in media costs eventually once everything began to normalize, um, app fatigue, you know, people spent all this time early on downloading all these games. They probably had the games that they were going to 
uh, occupy themselves with for uh, most of the year if they found ones that they really liked. Um, and then also, you know, as, as time went on throughout the year, there became, you know, looser lockdown restrictions in most areas, right? You, um, we kind of found ourselves here in California, sort of back where we were in March. But for the most part, uh, you know, most of the country and in different parts of the world, they started to ease those restrictions a little bit. So probably less screen time that they'd had earlier in the year. But, and um, then the, the other thing, too, we, the other thing, too, that I think we that Tim and I kind of came up with was that um, that media spend started to replace performance advertising spend in mobile over that period as well which was, I don't know if that was expected or unexpected, but there was an influx of traditional brand dollars coming in um, that was offsetting some of the performance budgets that were being you know, allocated over that period. So um, that's another consideration about why paid installs kind of declined over that period. I, I was also thinking about, I don't know if this is like game theory, but, but two things were, were, were affecting this. So one is the IDFA deprecation. So when the news came out, what's gonna happen? I think it was smart from a lot of companies to push forward, especially those that have more of a whale driven monetization, because now is the time to grow so that you can enjoy the long tail uh, when the user acquisition is going to become more difficult. Well, uh, tracking is going to become more difficult. And the second part that might have an effect is everybody was growing. And if you're not growing, you're declining. Basically, that that's sort of a, like a crazy mentality because of the, all the quarterly reports coming out. Like, we grew by 25, we grew by 30. And then if you stay stable or single digit growth, oh my God, change the CEO. Like this is horrible. <laughs> so I think, I don't know, Randy, what do you think? You know, I, I think there's, there's definitely some, some weight to, to the theories, you know, you're proposing. I think, you know, that maybe, maybe there is, you know, some sense, you know, I don't, don't, think that you know, there's, a, there's a whole lot that, you know, something like, you know, installs can really tell us here. I mean, um, but, but there is that front loading mentality of, you know, or, or maybe even a bandwagon mentality or, you know, that everyone is kind of saying, you know, this is, this is the time, this is, you know, we've really, really got to capitalize on this moment um, as dark as it is to, 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 to kind of see how it can, potentially improve our fortunes. And, and, and again, I think that goes in there with, uh, if we're, if you're not X, then, you know, you're Y, right. If you're not, you're not going in on this, then you're missing out. And, and there's a FOMO, you know, there's a FOMO effect, you know, again, we're getting out of the numbers here, um, which, which, you know, Brian and Tim, you know, some, some definitely some great numbers on, on what this all really looks like. Um, in, in the hard copy, but you know, if you have, you're trying to kind of think of what what is the mentality behind this. Um, you know, I think there there was a lot of uh, a lot of scrambling, a lot you know, a lot of confusion, and I think anything that that, that folks could kind of really uh, focus in on as as like a single sort of motivator here, it might be just sort of um, you know a, a desire to not miss out. You know, um, and that could that could be kind of any any number of areas that they they didn't want to miss out on an IDF, you know, or, 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 or not be prepared for Right. So IDFA could be one of those. Definitely. I'll say this, uh, you know, I'll say this guys. It's uh, one thing that we saw was the two in, in, it was really social casino. All right. And um, Randy already suggested as well as Mish that like, look, the social casino is, has its own kind of like, has its own situation with this, with this, uh, with this phenomenon that we're going through in this, in this, mm. uh, with the pandemic. 
And what we saw was a unbelievably aggressive move for social casino to, to spend. And it's so off the charts versus all the other genres that we've spoken about earlier today that it's, it's very dramatic. Um, over the course of it, uh, over the course of the year, really starting around March when, when I was speaking with Eric and, and, and Mish before. Now, um, the interesting piece about it is the, uh, the, second, the second one, which is not nearly as dramatic, but the second genre that sort of grew too was hardcore, which would suggest to your hypothesis that whale hunting was something that they were doing, not only because of COVID, but there is the potential that IDFA was coming down the line. And hey, look, let's aggressively target and make as much revenue as possible before the end of the year or whenever whenever this change does come 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 to fruition, um, as make as much money as we can and kind of re reinstitute um, new changes once that period ends, which could be potentially in Q1 as we're sort of hearing rumors, but we nobody knows for sure, obviously. But it, it, it does track this trend line pretty dramatically. Um, in regards to social casino, um, it's interesting because like the casinos locked down and then it's a natural kind of like A to A to B that, hey, now you're not, you can't go to a casino in say the States, like in, you know, in, in Vegas or, 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 or Atlantic City or around the world in Europe, Macau, any, anywhere around the, around the globe that naturally you would then, um, you know, potentially install, um, you know, another application that's doing what you're doing, maybe not in real money terms, but you're now sort of gambling your time again, um, and utilizing that to, to, you know, to, to consume the way you probably you did before, but remotely in this point. Um, and it's been very interesting that this all took place and we're seeing this growth of, of social casino still, you know, still, you know, persist. Um, and we don't know what that's going to look like in the future because, you know, we've, we've obviously reached a point where vaccines are going to be publicly available at some time in the near future. But does that mean that consumption habits in regards to like real money gambling, no matter what the, uh, what the you know what the capacity is is going to change um you know as, as for human beings are we going to be going to racetracks or you know going to right. wide area network casinos like we did before um even when the pan uh, the pandemic sort of like we we solve it to some degree or another um mm -hmm. and it's interesting because there's companies out there and i'm sure we're all familiar with them and they've a lot of guests have been on the show like lloyd melnick that have spoken about this you know this this uh this change that we're seeing um but at the same time companies like twin spires um, and there's other companies that are out there are really which are technology platforms that support the real uh, the real money gaming industry as well as potentially a social gaming industry. Um, they're starting to buy up properties out there that we're all familiar with as consumer consumer properties, things like Kentucky Derby. I mean, all these things around there in a lot of ways are, are now sort of affiliated with these two technology platforms that support, you know, multiple applications across the board under this sort of genre of games, skill based competitions, things like that. Um, so, uh, you know, are we going to now, if, if the technology platforms ultimately potentially own the properties into the future, are we now simply just going to consume these events, you know, remotely and not do them on site like we did before? And that's a question that needs to be asked. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, um, you know, the, the race, uh, the race to capture this market growth for social casino, um, led to an explosive growth in terms of, you know, just raw revenue, User acquisition CPIs went through the roof as well, and that supported, you know, uh, a high high marketing number in terms of like advertising. Um, and you know, once this we get past 2020, what is that going to look like next year? It, that's something very interesting to know about. And you know, all the news we hear about, like things like DraftKings and everything else, sort of supports this sort of theory that this is going to it's going to be a lot different. Hmm. Wow, you took us to the next level. All right. Uh, <laughs> Interesting <laughs> hypothesis, right? Yeah, yeah. This is a this is an uh, Tim. Do you have anything to add? I agree. 
Okay. <laughs> Good point. All right. We have to move to the next topic, Brian, because nobody can add on that. So, so let's, no, no one can top that. Yeah. So, so let's talk about let's talk about trends, and let's start off with in-app purchase trends. If we look at a at a solid free-to-play business or free-to-play game, you can spot it basically through an increasing revenue per download. In other words, in other words, the installs go down. Uh, the revenues continue to increase. This speaks of great business. Uh, it speaks also of retention and you know solid monetization. When we look at the macro level, did the revenue curve hold after the download started to decline as the first wave of lockdowns were over? In other words, how permanent was the boost given the surge of installs? If we look at the macro level, yeah, I think I'll, I'll jump in here. You know, the data was really interesting to see. Not only did the revenue curve hold after downloads peaked. Uh, it actually continued to rise as the year went on, according to our data. So we saw that people downloaded all these games earlier in the year and month by month installs dipped. But as summer rolled around, you still had people in front of their screens, but, you know, likely with fewer options, right? There's like less trips, less traveling, no vacations to Hawaii, but a lot more screen time and a lot more opportunity to engage with compelling content. I actually just saw some stat yesterday that said that 72% of all 2020 mobile revenue generated by games um, at $81 billion. So that's pretty, pretty impressive out there. Um, but regionally, what we've seen too is that in the US, um, the IAP revenue on iOS devices rose by 27% from March through August. Uh, in APAC, it actually increased 35% in terms of revenue from February to May. Um, so we've definitely seen that the games have been able to effectively monetize their players who remain loyal in the months, um, you know, through in-app purchases. Awesome. Um, Brian? Or, or do we, or Randy, do you guys want to? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, um, you know, what Tim was, was talking about kind of on the macro level, um, you know, really holds true in our data as well. Um, you know, obviously various factors and, and theories at play here. You know, we, we thought initially that, you know, we, we might, you know, go again, going into kind of the, the hypothesizing we love to do so much that, you know, we, we, we might see something like, um, you know, some of the, 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 the financial difficulties that consumers are facing, uh, in, you know, and definitely, you know, in parts of the United States, you know, that, that if, let's say, uh, you know, their, their income gets cut, you know, maybe we're going to start to see a, um, a decline there in, in spending, you know, so they, they might, might start, you know, spending less in, in, in areas where that they felt were, were kind of, you know, not absolutely essential, um, you know, spending money on, on, on games when you need to sp you spend it on groceries, et cetera, not to get too dark here, but you know, that that's a, a decision we figured, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, consumers would, would be making. Uh, but yeah, we, you know, on that macro level, we, we saw similar things, you know, in terms of uh, the, 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 the revenue, you know, still increasing overall, I think, um, you know, what, what our data is telling us is that, you know, this is obviously and an understandably, there's going to be different um, effects on, on, on different genres and different tier, different tiers of games as well. You know, looking just at, at some of the titles, you know, we, we saw, you know, fairly, 
dramatic uptick in some of the casual title uh, adoption, right? Um, you know, puzzle games uh, and the like, uh, uptick in, in their adoption, um, revenue rose uh, as well, um, but also fell off. Um, we didn't see quite the same thing as we did in, let's say, more hardcore genres like RPGs, where, you know, um, <clears throat> adoption, you know, adoption really went up. Um, revenue went up and, and has continued to rise. But, you know, on the casual side, at least according to our data, um, that while there was sort of a more of a normalization around the revenue um, and, the, you know, the spending after sort of the first wave of lockdowns, um, it still, it didn't decline at the same rate as as, um, as installs did. So, you know, we're, we're in general seeing that this lift is persisting and, and it's really doing so across all, all categories. Uh, but there are definitely those standouts and, and some of them make a lot of sense. You know, uh, RPGs, you know, typically if you have a really good, you know, really, really well monetizing RPG, you know, you're gonna see um, the, uh, the you know, revenue continue to, to rise even as, as installs fall, as, as you said, Mish. Yeah. Another thing that we, a data point that we, we uncovered just before mm -hmm. we were doing this, Mish, was uh, what, um, Historically, what uh, you know, we all see as you know, in the marketing industry and in, re in relation to games, is a massive um, lift in Q4, um, where mm -hmm. people are exhausting budgets for the end of the year and, and capturing uh, you know a time for users' attention. You know, as either uh, kids are out of school, obviously for holiday, and then at the same time, <laughs> maybe adults are you know taking time off or have more time off because of. Thanksgiving, Christmas, and normally I think we all agree during that period, we see a pretty explosive growth upwards until mm. the end of the year. Um, and uh, so it's with, with everything that's happened in 2020, we wanted to see what does it look like up until this point? We couldn't capture into December, obviously, because we're not far down the line and everybody knows the growth just goes through the roof till the end of the year. And then there's a trough after that, but um, that's mm. just you know, cyclical for all of us. And we all see the same trend. Um, and, uh, but the, we wanted to kind of re uh, take a look at what, 2020 is looking like in regards to 2019 and what, you know, if there's anything to, to glean from that. And um, it's interesting, every, every sort of genre from uh, the beginning of Q4 in 2019, or I'm sorry, in the beginning of 20, uh, Q4 2020 to now experienced growth and uplift for UA uh, in spend, okay? Um, a lot of that's driven by higher CPIs uh, because people are spending, you know, obviously higher and they're willing to, you know, to spend more per install. But, um, you know, uh, the trend line was pretty clear across the board that, you know, hardcore, casual, mid-core all experienced pretty dramatic growths um, over the first two months of Q Q4 2020 in relation to 2019. So there has been an increase uh, over this period from last year, which is in interesting. The, the, uh, there's two anomalies, and I go back to this again. Hyper-casual is, is the only one that's down, and it's down 17%. So that's interesting. Um, and we're not really sure what, what that means or why that is. The great thing, the most amazing thing is hyper casual, I'm sorry, social casino from 2019 to 2020 is up 56% in spend um, from, uh, from uh, year over year. That is a very interesting statistic. Um, and uh, we were not expecting that. And they were by far off the charts um, this year versus last year. Um, and they went way, mm. way beyond their competition in terms of the genres that are out there vying for users' attention. Um, I, you know, I, it sort of speaks to the same hypothesis we're sort of discussing here today. But um, a very interesting trend line and one that we'll, we'll see what looks like into next year. But uh, again, I, it could be a bigger change that we're, we're, we're sort of like kind of have to, well, we might have to familiarize ourselves with and reevaluate the market in general.
So mm. one question, when you say 70% down, and you mentioned uplift, right? Can you describe to the audience what you mean by uplift? Up, when we say uplift, we're, we're just looking at raw revenue, I'm sorry, raw marketing dollars spent. Um, so it, so like, let's say, um, you know, the way to put it is, if they spent a million dollars last year, and it dropped 17%, that's 17% down a million, which I, you know, I, I think we could put that math together relatively easily, but that's what it would look like. So, but uh, you look at hyper casual down almost 20%, social casino up almost 60%. Um, so really, really interesting. Um, and uh, maybe at the end of the day, like, you know, there's a race for investment towards all of, all of that marketplace and it'll continue to grow. Um, and I don't see why uh, there's any indicator suggesting it wouldn't. Interesting. Um, so let's move on and talk about then, well, something that relates to hyper casual a lot, and that is in-app mm. ad trends. And, you know, one of the interesting things that, that we've been talking about is, well, not here, but overall in the industry is the sort of rise of hyper, hybrid casual. And what was interesting in, in AppSlyer's report, you actually follow hybrid casual. I don't know how you categorize that. Is it like a certain percentage of the, the revenue coming in through ads? But nevertheless, there's a there's a very interesting um, um, chart that is that is following hybrid casual. So, can you guys talk a little bit more about about that trend? Sure. Yeah. So, so hybrid casual would be a, a casual title that has a, a hybrid method of monetizing through in-app purchases and in-app ads as well. Um, and overall, you know, while while in-app purchases have done well in 2020. Um, Overall, in-app ads haven't been as great. Um, you know, one example in our data is that in the U.S., from March to August, revenue by ads dropped thirty percent, um, and by twenty-two percent in EMEA. But what's what's interesting here is that um, this revenue actually rose eighteen percent in APAC, and in Latin America, it doubled um, since April. So it, it kind of all comes back to changes in behavior you know, due to the pandemic, um, you know, in-app ad performance gradually decreased throughout the year. Um, it dropped 16% from February to August, while in-app purchase revenue rose 67% in the same time frame. Um, but, you know, with, with more people playing games on lockdown and perhaps being stressed out, you know, maybe they just didn't want to wait around for ads every time or, you know, they, they played so often, maybe the ads became a little bit more of a nuisance than they would have otherwise. Plus, uh, I think Randy had mentioned, you know, more disposable income potentially to use on in-app purchases since they couldn't go out. Maybe even, uh, you know, emotional buying to offset the, the stress there. But, you know, as far as in-app ad goes, uh, we saw declines in, in performance pretty much across the board, you know, for gaming overall. But the, the, the biggest dip being in mid-core, um, but Mish, back to your point about, you know, hybrid casual and that model, we actually saw the casual games with that hybrid model. It was actually the only genre that had a positive uh, growth line here, as, as Brian had mentioned, and it actually performed very well by blending in-app ads with, with in-app purchases. Um, you know, one stat specifically is that in APAC, casual games um, increase in revenue by, by ads rose 47%. Um, so it's pretty interesting to see that there. Okay, so that that's that kind of explains why the hyper casual uplift is down so significantly. If the if the ad performance is down significantly, then of course they're going to spend less on on advertising. And since it's all pretty much advertising to each other, then that really hurts the whole business of, of hyper casuals. 
we but, and this is something that you know several people, myself included, we questioned the the length and the 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 the, the longevity of of hypercasual. And in no way, shape, or form are we suggesting that that um, there's a, a you know an on, you know an onset to some degradation of the marketplace because it's still healthy and thriving. But you know, it's I think everybody knows that everybody would kind of question you know you know, you know, the, the, the way in which they monetize and advertise in hyper casual, it, you, you know, the, the, the length of this could go is, is still remains to be seen, I think, but you know, no, nothing's, nothing's giving us any, 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 any kind of like fluid motion yet to, to, to assume that the market is, is suffering to some degree. Yeah. Well, we're, we've been very open in terms of constantly predicting that now the hyper casual <laughs> peak is seen. Now it's seen. Now it's seen. So at some point you have to be right. Or, I mean, that's what I assume. So, so let's see how, how the next year is kind of turning out for hyper casual games, but we've been, we've been following closely some of the publishers like Rolik naturally after, after Zynga acquisition hasn't fared that well at all. And um, despite some of the hyper casuals growing, it, you kind of need to be almost a mediation platform in order to to uh, to really, you know, be a good hyper casual publisher as well. So, but anyway, let's not talk about hyper casuals. That's definitely a, a topic for uh, for a different di different day. Uh, what I wanted to talk about is uh, remarketing trends. So, remarketing is something that is seen always big in in the. Uh, well, in the services that essentially have endless LTVs like ride shares and food deliveries and and you name these type of subscription services where people are essentially using them for years and never stopping. But they, they, uh, the remarketing hasn't been really a thing with games. It's been quite small, honestly. Uh, not a lot of companies use it. I mean, in my knowledge, they, they dabble with it just to prove that it doesn't work uh, periodically. Uh, so, so looking at the trend... Um, especially, well, AppFlyer probably has the most trends on this. Like, what did you see on the remarketing side? Is this finally, like, are we finally getting to a point where remarketing actually makes sense? Because I've been, I've been caught with some remarketing campaigns that definitely worked for me, but they were very holistic. Like the game was tuned with, uh, with hyperlinks and uh, with deep linking in the sense that uh, I was truly welcomed as a, you know, paying player back to the service. And it wasn't just like, hey, we have a new thing going on and I tap on the ad and and I'm not even in the flow for that new thing that you were talking about. So, okay. so yeah, please talk about the remarketing a little bit. Um, I could take this one, uh, Mish. The, uh, the, 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 the data is suggesting what your, what your hypothesis is that there was a dramatic increase in 2020 uh, for remarketing. Um, and as much as we're seeing around 95% across the board uh, for all genres which is, that's a very exciting number. Um, and the two biggest growth engines are ones that I suggested earlier, but again, not surprising. Um, hardcore, 160% growth and uplift year over year. Social casino, 130% growth uplift year over year. Um, tremendous, tremendous growth. Um, uh, so it's interesting. I think um, Tim and myself, as we've been talking to co customers, friends, advisors across the board, um, at really large companies, um, their biggest initiatives in most cases are re remarketing over 2021 and, and beyond. Um, a lot of reasons why, um, you know, they are, I think a lot of the bigger studios are looking how they can whale hunt more successfully in social, social casino and hardcore games would suggest um, that's a, a really good strategy to find your best users who spend money in the applications and, and contribute to your revenue line. Um, and then at the same time, I think a lot of them are looking at like, um, if we're looking at the changes with Apple with IDFA um, and the potential for 
make the market being maybe less efficient and less precise in terms of acquiring new users, maybe remarketing makes more sense as a way to offset some of the increased costs they might kind of receive because of the changes that could take place with identifiers, not just with Apple, but uh, other platforms like Google into the future. And um, maybe they're looking at saying like, not only do we need to test this, um, but maybe we need to really look at this as being um, a much larger uh, element in, um, of, our, of our advertising portfolio to remarket our best users in different ways and do it more successfully. Um, and maybe look at that as another channel to become more efficient in how we uh, generate revenue from advertising. Um, so the numbers are, I mean, these are, these are very exciting numbers and interesting for this marketplace. One of the, some of the apprehensions though, I think in games specifically is with, as we know, we have such sophisticated media buyers um, in gaming companies that are obviously, you know, really, really data-driven. Um, the, the ability for them to, um, to measure um, ROI on these campaigns has been very, very limited previously. Um, uh, and uh, that has led companies like AppsFlare, to be honest, to develop incrementality tools for them to measure, um, you know, cohorts of users and look at, you know, levels of uplift, predictive uplift. Um, and I think other companies that are out there are looking at the same tool set that we've developed at AppsFlyer to support this. So, um, you know, remarketing actually could be more data-driven and in absolute and when they're de determining whether or not these campaigns are successful and how much to, to contribute resources towards them into the future. Mm. And this makes a lot of sense because with post-IDFA era, there's going to be not only remarketing inside the uh, well, in, in, quote-unquote performance remarketing, uh, but also probably some of the top of the funnel actions as, as more games or as more IPs are being promoted inside the games. And you can actually use TV ads and podcast ads, radio ads, you name it, uh, billboards and stuff like that. So so ability to track that more efficiently uh, is, is probably something that companies will be looking for. Let's go to the um, let's go to the final final topic. And I'll start with you, Randy, is, uh, is the growth in different countries. So this is something that well, a lot of developers are always looking, and especially during this time, they're looking at where, how can we grow outside US and outside iOS? So when you look at your data, were there some significant growth outside US in certain countries that, that folks are not looking? And if you can say if there are specific genres that are performing well in those in those countries. You know, there there were definitely some, you know, standouts, uh, standout markets outside the US, outside of of EMEA that 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 did really well. We we saw some of the the, the largest growth um, in in terms of installs in India. The, you know they they were up you know just in in the month after uh, you know COVID hit there they were they were you know more than double they were they were up one hundred forty percent just in 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 April April alone and and that's kind of you know continued throughout the year. Um, they're still above. Um, where they were at the beginning of the year. Well, obviously, with with India, you know there are some considerations there. Um, you know the the install growth was was really tremendous post COVID, um, but the you know the the spending growth didn't match that. Um, you know just because there's just just a lot less you know spending power you know per capita in India. So you know even though it's 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 just like this considerable uptick in in um, Adoption of games uh, that that doesn't necessarily make it, you know, a particularly you know ideal market in in that sense. Um, but there there were some, um, you know, outside of that, you know, there there was uh, 
Uh, Singapore uh, was up 50% in April uh, after, after, you know, kind of they, they started dealing with COVID. Malaysia, you know, was up and, and by almost as much, by 46%. Um, you know, Spain was up uh, 36%, you know, part of, you know, EMEA, but, but still, you know, uh, you probably, you know, it's, it's not typically, a, you know, considered to be, you know, one of the core markets. Um, but you know a lot of a lot of smaller markets um, that 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 you wouldn't normally kind of associate you know in there with 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 the, the major the major uh, regions um, and and you know the thing about markets like uh, you know Singapore and Malaysia that I pointed out is that spending was up there uh, but or I'm sorry uh, adoption of games was up there. Uh, you know, quite considerably, but also, you know, unlike a, a market such as, you know, India or Pakistan that, that grew, you know, more than double, uh, both of those, uh, you, you have, you know, Singapore, Malaysia, where there, there is a bit more, you know, spending power, right? So uh, we also saw revenue grow, you know, a lot more considerably there as well. So, you know, I think that, um, overall, Southeast Asia, um, you know, as kind of a cohort, um, was was really um, a region where we saw not just uh, a, a big you know increase in adoption there, but also more spending, um, and and that's also uh, you know a, again another market where you know we have uh, more of the the mid to hardcore genres like our you know role playing uh, you know is you know quite a bit more popular MOBAs you know just a lot more mid to hardcore. Uh, genres. So, you know, those are the ones as well that going back to what we discussed earlier, you know, they're, they're going to have the more, you know, traditionally um, positive sort of RPD curves as well. Uh, so yeah, uh, Southeast Asia, just, I, I guess that's the bottom line <laughs> yeah. is uh, Southeast Asia as, as a grouping uh, really, really stood out. I have a nice hypothesis. Did the ad revenue go down because people were just watching too many ads and the uh, sort of inventory kind of ran, started running out? Can that be a reason? Could, could could always be a reason, I guess, based on the, the the specific app and the deals they have lined up. And if they've exhausted that inventory, then... Yeah, because if downloads increase, people have more time. They can, you know, put those 15-second ads going on while, while they do other things. And that probably could hurt ad revenue. I don't know. But yeah. what, was the, uh, what was the sort of data that you saw on the AppSlayer side? Basically, what I'm asking for our listeners is, are there any gems they should be looking at? Like, is Kazakhstan the next big thing? Like, should I invest a little bit more in the in better localization, perhaps try try that market in, in, a, in a better way? If not, not yeah. if yes, then... Yeah, you know, so a couple of things. You know, overall, there, there's no real surprises here. You know, UA growth continued in a lot of the traditional developing markets. Um, unlike tier one markets like the US or Japan, where, you know, other developing markets obviously are cheaper to acquire users. You can get more volume. Um, on a category level, hypercasual had a different trend line than the other categories. And, and these advertisers are actually focusing on Western markets. Um, with the UK, France, and US providing the fastest growth. Um, sure, the users are more expensive, but they, they monetize uh, you know, better CPMs. As far as some of those standouts that you're asking about, though, that would include you know, what we saw was like mid-core games in India, casual in Indonesia, hardcore games in Brazil, now, in terms of like, you know, what are those areas of new growth opportunities? It, it always depends based on the game and the ability to localize and differentiate content based on the audience. But 
across all categories, we saw that countries in Latin America, Northern Africa, and parts of the Middle East and Asia were contributing to pretty strong growth. In fact, mm. hyper-casual and casual have similar markets with Australia, Malaysia, and South Africa. And mm. our, our data suggests that you know, mid-core is also following similar patterns, but with more growth in action in Northern America. Um, and then to Nathan's point, you know, also with Pakistan, we saw that their non-organic install growth was, I think it was like 207%. Um, mm -hmm. So those are some of the areas. Yeah, that, that's fascinating news because the thing is like when, when games like Garena Free Fire are doing so well and actually monetizing so incredibly well in countries like Brazil, that just tells you that there might be certain countries that you are overlooking that could be hugely mm -hmm. valuable for your overall business. So that's why I'm for sure. All right. Uh, I think we went through a lot of a lot of data, a lot of different trends, and I will put everybody well, well your LinkedIn information in the uh, in the notes. But how can people get the reports that we were talking about, and what are the sort of a new and exciting things coming out from Maps Flyer and Sensor Tower? So uh, let's start off with Randy. <laughs> what are, what are the right? You can find Sensor Tower's research. Uh, on on our blog, uh, it's it's sensortower.com/blog. Um, you know that's where you're gonna you're gonna see our reports as well as as certain uh, specific analyses on you know individual titles um, when, when when they hit milestones or or there's something interesting that they do. Um, you know we're we're gearing up for the end of the year. You know some of the some of the data we talked about earlier was a little more you know focused on the first half of the year. Uh, we're gonna have our uh, end of end of year data coming soon. Uh, I think probably look for that in in the in the first week of, of January or so. Uh, but also, you know, we're really curious to see what was going to happen, um, you know, this year in terms of you know holiday spending in, in games. We we typically see you know around uh, Christmas around New Year's uh, so these these you know quite significant surges in. Uh, spending in games, uh, you know, folks are, you know, usually flush with money after the holidays and, and they start pouring it into, into these titles, um, you know, given, you know, kind of how uh, spread out that's been throughout the, the earlier quarters, given, you know, the, the, the financial, uh, the financial uh, implications of, of the, the pandemic continuing. Um, we're, we're just curious what we're going to see. Are we, we going to see the same kind of trend this year or not? So, you know, look for it during the holidays. Um, don't, don't, uh, don't expect us to be, you know, uh, taking the, the time off. <laughs> we'll be, uh, we'll be there uh, checking the numbers, you know, on Christmas, uh, just, just to see uh, kind of how it pans out because we're really interested, but uh, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, you'll find that on our blog and, and uh, Twitter, uh, you know, Sensor Tower, pretty simple. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to, to what, some feedback. Awesome. Brian and Tim, AppsFlyer. For AppsFlyer, um, we're continuing to write not just gaming reports, but um, UA reports, um, as with it being such a massive player in the marketplace and seeing so much information about you know, what people are doing and who's installing applications. So any report you want, you can go to appsflyer.com and we report, you know, we send these back, you know, not just annually, but, you know, on a regular basis. So any any data that you want to pull from us, it's obviously free to download and, and review, take a look at and utilize the data to whatever needs you have. Um, in, in regards to AppsFlyer and the product, um, I did mention earlier that, um, you know, we've, we've reinvested more heavily in, in audiences and, and in grand mentality, which is been a, obviously a great success for us and we're seeing a lot of growth there. 
Um, we've put a lot of uh, investment into our fraud products, um, P360, um, in regards to validation rules um, uh, to basically capture fraud within in-app events, which is something that the games community um, has been clamoring for and needs more aggressive like adherence towards. So we've put a lot of work into that and there'll be more things into the future that we're developing, um, you know, that fall in the same lines of what an attribute should provide a gaming um, developer um, to solve a number of challenges today and into the future. Awesome. So everybody can go to Sensor Tower and App Suppliers pages, uh, check out all the new products that are coming out or the new blog posts, new reports. Mm. Uh, this was highly valuable. I'm 100% I'm sure that the listeners are super happy with the all the information shared. And they're looking forward to, to more reports and, and having you again on the podcast, as am I. So thank you guys for, for joining.